0: in Mark chapter 15, Mark chapter 15, we've just finished with the death of Jesus. He's died on the cross and the centurion says, truly this man was God's son. And then we have Mark telling us who witnessed it. There were also women looking on from a distance.
1: What verse are you picking up?
0: Verse 40 of Mark 15. Thank you. There were also women looking on from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James, the younger, and of Joseph, and Salome. These used to follow him and provide for him when he was in Galilee. And there were many other women who had come up with him to Jerusalem. And that's where we were. When evening had come, verse 42, when evening had come, and since it was the day of preparation. That's interesting. That is the day before the Sabbath.
2: hmm, Hmm.
0: Now, hold 42 in your thinking for a minute. Actually, for more than a minute. Because we're going to read through Matthew and Luke first before we address the question of what they mean by that. But uh, just hold it in your mind, make a mark, or do something that that we're going to come back to that. When evening had come, and since it was the day of preparation, that is, the day before the Sabbath...
3: What what is the Sabbath? Or is is that...
0: That's the question. question. Joseph of Arimathea, a respected member of the council, and by that they mean the Sanhedrin, who was also himself waiting expectantly for the kingdom of God, went boldly to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. That's interesting. He's a member of the Sanhedrin. He goes and asks for the body of Jesus you normally had to be next of kin to access a body like that. Um, It's interesting that he didn't seem to have a problem doing that. Um, It identifies him as a member of the Sanhedrin, a respected member of the Sanhedrin. It says that he was himself waiting expectantly for the kingdom of God so he had a strong messianic expectation and there seems to be an indication even here in Mark that it's somehow connected to Jesus that expectation we find out in Matthew that's even more than that but in Mark it just says who was himself waiting expectantly for the kingdom of God went boldly and here you can see I mean Mark clearly understands that this is rather mm, risky went boldly to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Normally, criminals, when they die on a cross like that and left up there to desiccate somewhat, then when they need the the post, they'll cut them down and throw the body into a pit. If the person who was being crucified had some political standing, it was even harder to get hold of the body. But if it was a criminal who had uh, money and family connections they could sometimes get that body, especially if they went to the local magistrate or whoever was the responsible for the crucifixion itself and asked for it. But you used to have to be, frankly, next to kin or thereabouts. And so that has raised uh, some speculation that Joseph of Arimathea was in fact somehow related to Jesus. And one of the early traditions of the church is, is that Joseph of Arimathea is Mary's uncle. That's interesting. Um, which would give him standing. In fact, it would give him supreme standing as the senior most male in the family to, to come and to ask for Jesus' body. And being a member of the council would sort of insulate him uh, against uh, suspicion on the part of any of the authorities, both Jewish authorities and Roman authorities, so, but it's still a bold thing for him to go do this and ask for the body of a criminal. I mean, that's just—you just don't do that unless something special is going on, unless you've got some power or some money or both. So, and this is the same council. Yeah, that's the wrong council. Jesus to be yes. Right? The council is the Sanhedrin, and that's that's an, an, an interesting his differentiation from the council. We'll find out about in Luke but uh, at this point we've, we simply have hit mentioned that he's a member of the council and a respected member of the council who himself was awaiting expectantly for the kingdom of God uh, and he goes boldly to Pilate and asks for the body of Jesus. It doesn't explain any of the details as to why he had the standing to do it, so that has resulted in speculation on the subject in, in the history of the church and the tradition of the church resulted in speculation on the issue. Um. The fact that this has to be detailed it, it, it points out that it stands in stark contradiction to what normally happens with people who are crucified. You've got to remember, when this was written in the late 60s, early 70s AD, crucifixion was very well known. And what you did and what you did not do and what happened to those who are hanging up there on those crosses when they get crucified is very well known. So this being brought up, it stands out. I mean, normally those bodies hang up there for a while. Notice what it says next. Then Pilate wondered if he were already dead, and summoning the centurion, he asked him whether he had been dead for some time. When he learned from the centurion that he was dead, he granted the body to Joseph. That's interesting. So, I mean, he's dead.
2: So. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense, does it? I mean, would what? you grant the body to
0: Joseph if he wasn't dead?
2: Well, if he wasn't dead, he's going to stay mean, on the cross until he's
0: dead. If he was not dead yet, and you know they didn't have television, he wasn't sitting there eating popcorn and watching Jesus die. He 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 had to find out if Jesus was dead before he could, you know give him the body.
2: Kind of an official thing from a guy from the, uh, the respected member of the Sanhedrin that didn't have any pull, obviously, or he wouldn't mean. Well, didn't have any pull blood.
0: with his... Well, that's interesting. Either he was kept out of the debate discussion, mm-hmm. which is very possible, uh, given the illegal nature in, in Mark and in Matthew, given the illegal nature of the trial before the Sanhedrin, it's at night, in the morning, before the sunup, yeah. an illegal time to hold the Sanhedrin council. Luke shifts it into the morning, makes it legal, but irregular. Um, uh, it, it could very well be that he wasn't there. Possibly, wasn't there. And but... Would Pontius Pilate have given him the body if he had recognized him from that crowd? I wonder. Possibly. Wouldn't May, he have
1: known who he was, though?
0: He might very well have known who he was. Uh, Joseph of Arimathea, according to the same traditions, which tell us that he was related to Mary, uh, also identifies him, and in fact, Scripture does too, as being wealthy and... Uh, uh, yeah, it's another gospel that identifies him as wealthy and um, the traditions tell us that he was in fact a very important merchant and trader in tin and the tin trade was very important across the Mediterranean Sea from its sources and of all places Britain and in fact Britain provided a large percentage of the tin supply for the entire Mediterranean basin Mm
2: -hmm.
0: after the Romans took it one of the reasons why they wanted Britain was for some of its natural resources amongst them, the supply of tin. Yeah. Um, it is unusual. It's, it's strange. It's very strange. And it's being brought up here. This whole appearance before Pilate being brought up here is, is very important. For unlike what happens to most criminals who are crucified, Jesus actually gets a burial in a tomb of his own. Somebody has to go get the body to do that. And it's identified in all three Gospels here, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, as being Joseph of Arimathea. He has to have standing to do it. It helps if he's a member of the council. It helps if he's a member of the family. Both of those things together may give him standing to do that. It helps if he has lots of money, can you know pass a bribe under the table, which could very well have happened. It doesn't say it did, but I mean, that... Would be a standard operating procedure both now and then. So, but we don't know. It doesn't say. Mark does not actually say. It just simply says that, you know, Pilate wonders after after the request is made, Pilate wonders if he's dead, and, and, and it says whether he'd been dead for some time. Uh, you, know, you wouldn't normally be dead this early. You know, you, crucifixion takes a long time. I mean, seventy two hours is not unknown for people to hang up there on the cross. Did Mark report die. that
2: he was flayed? or? Whatever. Yes,
0: and very, brief, very briefly over in verse 15. So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released Barnabas for them, and after flogging Jesus, he handed him over to be crucified. Um, and of course, it's generally identified that the flogging that he received, the scourging that he received, accelerated the death process. And probably, if it was really bad, would have. Um,
3: and, all, and a lot of this is, is designed to establish that Jesus was dead because there were right. that was controversial.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There is absolutely no question, this, based on the way in which this is articulated, there is no question that he's dead. I.e., he was seen to die on the cross, the centurion saw him dead, the women saw him dead, Pilate asks if he's dead. Before they take him down, and the answer is yes, he's dead. So he gives him the body of dead Jesus for some time, though. right? Not just you know twenty minutes or so.
2: Wasn't Mark the kid that ran
0: away? Uh, theoretically, yes. Theoretically, yeah. so
2: if he had seen this, if he had seen him dead on the cross, he would have mentioned something about the writer of this
0: gospel. Right. Scene. There's no indication that Mark himself was a witness to this event. If anything, he's a witness to the event in the in the in the garden the yeah. rest, yeah. but he wouldn't be a witness to this particular event. The witnesses are identified as the centurion, because it says there were also women. So the centurion, who's just mentioned before, is considered a witness. And then Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, the younger, and of Joseph, and Salome, and the other women. Because there's another host. uh, There's extra women who are mentioned. They're just not named here.
3: Yeah, many other women. I never. I mean, that's that's quite a statement. Many other women followed him from Galilee.
0: Which, given the nature of the culture and the society and its patriarchal nature, you wouldn't expect. But it's mentioned. It's it's right there. That is the a source for what what we just read about his death on the cross. And now this, which, which, which nails down without question, he's dead. And then nails down how Jesus gets buried. Normally, he'd hang up there for a while, come down, be thrown into a pit. With a few exceptions, and I listed what those were, however, a body can be brought down and buried, given a proper burial. And this would be one of the cases where it would happen. If you have someone who has a degree of authority and power and money, and probably that last one's the most important, and standing as family, then, then you've, you've got the confluence of situation which allows it to happen.
3: And it's got to happen quick because you've got to get this done yeah, that's before, right.
0: before, before a Sabbath begins. Isn't that convenient? Before sundown, basically. Before sundown and a Sabbath begins. Uh, when he learned from the centurion that he was dead, and it wasn't just any old person who told him, oh, yeah, sure, he's been dead for a while. No, it was the centurion, so it's authoritative. When he learned from the centurion that he was dead, he granted the body to Joseph. Then Joseph brought, bought a linen cloth and, taking down the body, wrapped it in the linen cloth and laid it in a tomb that had been hewn out of the rock. He then rolled a stone against the door of the tomb and Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of Joseph saw where the body was laid. So
3: there's no getting in and out of this tomb Back door there's, there's no getting in and out. It's a brand,
0: it's a new tomb that he had well we'll find out that he had had hewned out. It's, it's, it's hewn out of rock and there's no question as to where it is. For Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of Joseph saw where the body was laid. So not only is there no question about Jesus being dead, there's no question about where the body was stashed in this known specific tomb with a rock rolled over in front of it a tomb that's been hewn out of rock itself so you can't get in and out from some secret passage
2: but we don't know how big the rock was and we don't know who rolled that rock in front of it do
0: we? Um, he so then so- rolled a stone he then rolled a stone against the, the door of the tomb. Well, he it does seem to be He did. to die, and he brought he, his he hired do that, I'm sure, Well, he probably had staff. Yeah. So, he.
2: Well, they should have said they then. So the other women came, lots of women says came. Says he bought they say the linen.
0: It says right. he bought the linen. I know, yeah, Light it does linen. say that. He, he, he. But he, could he no, da- bring the body down on his own very easily? Probably not.
2: No, all those women. He had
0: all and, and, of course, Matthew tells us more. So, but Mark, We're and, and so thing. does Luke, but, but, but Mark does, again, Mark is briefer. With a couple of exceptions here. All this conversation between Pilate and the centurion, you don't find it in Matthew and Luke. It's, it's only in Mark. <laughs> Interesting. All right. So let's turn to Matthew 27. Matthew 27. We left off at the same place we left off in Mark. Matthew 27, verse 55, many women. And notice, Mark identifies the women first and then says there were a bunch of women. Matthew inverts it. Many women, verse 55, many women were also there looking on from a distance. They had followed Jesus from Galilee and had provided for him. Among them, this is fascinating. Among them were Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, yeah. so and the mother of the sons of Zebedee.
2: Didn't bother mention her name, so
0: long or whatever. Kind of took her one step back yeah, yeah. from giving her name, even though he had it in front of him in Mark, yeah,
2: yeah.
0: but but he, he rewrote the paragraph. Sure it says the same thing, but he rewrote the paragraph, inverted the sequence, and, at, and talked about the, the, the women, many women were also there. And then specifically amongst them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of the sons of Zebedee. Those are the witnesses in Matthew's Gospel. And again, notice it's all that also in verse fifty-five indicates that the centurion, in in a sense, also serves as a witness, and actually does indeed serve as a witness. Because uh, Tru- truly, this man was God's son. This is his proclamation here. Uh, the same, essentially, the same thing is over in Mark. Except we had an earthquake here.
2: Did Mark mention an earthquake?
0: This is well,
3: when the centurion was or, or, or the dead people. Oh yeah, that the, 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 the material the that is
0: particular to the material that's particular to Matthew, but not found elsewhere. Oh, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. When it was evening, verse fifty-seven. When it was evening, there came a rich man from Arimathea, named Joseph, who was also a disciple of Jesus. Now. Over in Mark, it says, it says that he was a uh, respected member of the council and was also himself waiting expectantly for the kingdom of God. Matthew just pushes it all the way over into disciple of Jesus. He went to Pilate. They notice what's dropped there, by the way. His identity as a member of the council. Yeah. That's interesting.
3: Yeah. And, of course, the disciples at this point, or at least the 12, have fled yeah. for their lives. So and, what a brave uh, man this He goes, goes talking yeah. out there. Saying.
0: This guy's yeah. got drops, whoever he, is. he went to Pilate. Boldly has been dropped. He <laughs> went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate ordered it to be given to him. Without checking. Ching. Interesting. Assumption is, of course, maybe, remember Matthew's using Mark. Assumption made... Either all of that happened and Matthew just decided not to mention it. Or, in fact, that's probably the the best response. Matthew doesn't see a reason to go into the detail. You've got sufficient detail in the preceding paragraphs. Why pull that detail out?
3: Centurion is almost a theological point for Mark, don't you think? I mean, he's trying to say something with that guy because he keeps showing up. Mark. (laughs) Well, Matthew didn't have to repeat
0: it. Not only that, considering the audience, uh, a Gentile Christian audience in Rome for Mark, that is gonna be important. He's a witness. He's given two witnesses. I never thought about that. He's given a second witness here in Mark, a witness directed to Pilate. I never thought about that. Matthew, who's writing to Jewish Christians, and he's not so interested in the centurion. <laughs> He's given given the centurion his billing, enough billing for John Wayne to get his voice over in the greatest story ever told. So, I mean, come on. When it was evening, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph. He was also a disciple of Jesus. He went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate ordered it to be given to him. Just just like that. So Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a clean cloth and laid it in his own new tomb. Uh, this says linen cloth here. A clean linen cloth. And laid it, laid it his, Jesus' body, in his own new tomb, which he had hewn in the rock. Now there, it's obvious. I don't see Joseph of Arimathea, a rich man, old man, hewing the rock tomb yeah, okay. himself all right i just yeah. don't see that chipping away no he had staff do that he paid for that he had it done, he had it done. likewise are there, are there
3: tombs that are actually in rock as opposed to just in the rocky soil oh rock? yes
0: no? oh yes that is uh, absolutely uh, that's that's um if you had a cave great but oftentimes you had to make your own And you have to remember, it's important that it says new, which it doesn't really say it in Mark, but it's his own new tomb. What does it matter that it's new? Well, in the Jewish world, tombs were not permanent abodes for the dead. They were temporary. You put the body in there for it to desiccate. Once it's turned into nothing but bones, you can pick up the bones put them in an ossuary, write the person's name on the outside and stick it on a shelf in your tomb area. Possibly in the tomb itself, but you're going to use that slab of rock for other family members. Well, if you're rich, you don't want to be desiccated where other people have desiccated and you might need a new tomb. If he's from Arimathea but he's now living in Jerusalem, he really needs a new tomb. So he's had this tomb carved out and prepared for him, for himself. But now he's going to let Jesus' body desiccate there. Of course, he he may have known that it was only going to be a temporary residency, not even a whole year. (laughs) But even, even, you know, if he's an old man, I mean, he may have thought, well, Jesus' body will decompose in a year or so, and then we'll put the bones in a box and put the, in the ossuary, and then I can use it. They didn't know
2: about the prophecy of resurrection, or anything.
0: Well, the disciples seem to have. And he was a disciple. He was well, but the twelve seems to well, but they were clueless. I mean, you know, come on. I mean, (laughs) oh, it happened. They (laughs) tended to be very stupid (laughs) at times.
3: But but if he was paying attention,
0: then he knew it would be a temporary residency. Real temporary, you know, three days, and now. <laughs> and, you
1: know, it's interesting. You don't hear a lot about Joseph of Arimathea, but I suppose it's not beyond belief that he, being a disciple of Jesus, and when you read some of the other secular things about him, right. clearly could have known and believed more and had more faith than the other disciples. Could very And well. maybe did that, created that tomb for exactly this purpose.
0: Possibly had it done exactly for this purpose, may have had it done for himself, which it's kind of implied. At, but also knowing he would have other uses I mean, later on, he was expecting to use it himself.
2: He, but he Possibly. had
0: much he more have courage.
1: Made it yeah. seem that way to the writers right. of all these gospels because he would have.
0: Would right. I mean, we could do psychologizing all we want. What a second guessing yeah. the guy. He <laughs> would rewrite Matthew. But what Matthew says, keeping in mind what he what he has read from Mark and used as his basis here, let's reread what he, what, what Matthew says. So Joseph took the body, verse 59. So Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had hewn in the rock. Well, of course, his staff did it. He had it done just as he had help to take the body, to wrap it, to bring it there and to put it in. And roll and putting the stone in front he then rolled a great stone notice notice that mark says he, um, he 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 then rolled a stone against the door of the tomb matthew says he then rolled a great stone to the door of the tomb and went away and then exactly as mark does so matthew does mary magdalene and the other mary were there sitting opposite the tomb. So again, he's dead. We have sufficient evidence of that in the preceding verses in chapter 27. And then he's taken down off the cross and given to Joseph by the authorities. He's put in this new tomb that Joseph, it belongs to Joseph himself, put in a new tomb, and it is closed with a great stone And the women, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, know exactly where it is. Now, that's the parallel part with Mark. But Matthew says more. Matthew keeps going. He talks about the guards. In a very important piece that is usually missed, beginning at 62. The next day. That is the day after the day of preparation. That's interesting. So why
3: would you call
1: that the Sabbath?
0: The next day, after the day of preparation. preparation, No one will know. The chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said, Sir, we remember what that imposter said when he was still alive. After three days, I will rise again. Therefore... Command the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may go and steal him away and tell the people he has been raised from the dead. And the last deception will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, You have a guard of soldiers. Go, make it as secure as you can. So they went with the guard and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone. And yes, setting watch. Mm-hmm. You got the guard there. Right. You have a guard of soldiers. Go. Make it as secure as you can. So they went with the guard and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone. Applies
3: Laid cement over it or
0: something. Laid cement. They may, they may have used a standard procedure where, whereby that we see even to this day whereby um, it, it was officially sealed with a wax seal across tapes or paper or papyrus ribbon or something and sealed with a military signet ring to say, this has not been disturbed an official ceiling, but not seal, seal, seal. You know, with a jackhammer to get him out. Possibly that, but you know, the, the Romans did invent concrete. But um, um, it's hard to say what that ceiling was.
2: It's hard to say whether it was Romans or
0: temple police, isn't it? Temple. Well, it seems pretty clear sure. that it's temple. I know exactly. Yeah. He mm-hmm. didn't send. He said you have your he own said, guards. He said you got guards. Why don't you go do it yourself?
1: You know, your verse there didn't say that they set the guard to nope. watch. This, the King James says, "and setting a watch."
0: Right. Well, it, it might mm-hmm. be implied, but it doesn't specifically. It's implied, say the guard and of course, after they what it. follows in the next chapter is essentially defines that. Oh, that's a
3: fairly interesting uh-huh. difference, isn't it? Well, Mine sure. talks about a guard to, to set watch. Well, it, it says, "Read yours."
0: They, and they went and made the grave secure and along with the guard they set a seal on the stone
2: what does it say right before that though, before, when they're asking Pilate,
0: you have a guard go and make you have a guard make it as secure as you know how and iv says take a guard take a guard literally take a guard
1: yeah yeah this one doesn't this one says you have a guard as well That's a different But he also detail, says that so they sealed the stone and then set, and set a watch Hmm. So they That's went right. and made the sepulchre sure, sealing the stone and setting a watch. <laughs> Alright,
3: get the Greek. Get the Greek. It's gonna be
2: both say? Setting a guard. Set a guard, great. Before, oh, right.
1: before you move on, I think. Set set yeah. Setting a <laughs> <the> guard translations <laughs> on that verse sixty-two. Well they're just playing read, read them. Safe. The the King James says, Now the next day that followed the day of preparation. Okay, and then another version says now on the morrow, which Thank is God. the day after the preparation. And then here are the two that are interesting. The NEB says, next, next day, the morning after that Friday. And then Beck says, the next day, the Saturday, after the day of preparation. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so it's interesting yeah. that they take such liberty to come out and
0: Whereas change it Whereas so verse much. 62 literally reads, uh, on the morrow, which is after the preparation.
1: That's pretty much what the ASV said.
0: We're assembled yeah, yeah. On the morrow, which is after the preparation. Mm-hmm. Verse 66 reads, and they going made fast the grave, sealing the sealing the stone with the guard.
2: Oh, that's figuratively. Oh. Sealing
0: the stone with a guard. With the guard, literally.
1: So that implies that the stone was not sealed with something, but it was the guard's presence that made the seal.
0: They going, made fast, the grave, sealing, sfragsantes, lithod, metates, custodias. Sealing the stone with the guard.
1: No, sealing, that means made sure, made secure, not sealing as we take it now, where you physically do some type of a seal where it's air-proof, you know.
3: And the NIV changes
1: that. Uh, so they went with the guard and right. made secure. And that, what's the, the with,
2: Greg? What's, what's the different? Uh, is that a coordinate or what? It's width. meta. Which limb,
0: means? By means of.
2: Oh, instead of along with, behind so the it's means was the of.
0: seal. It's by means of. Yeah. This yes. translation's bad. It's <laughs> by means of. It should read, essentially as I read it there, um, I've lost my spot. Oh, here we are. Um, so they went with the guard, and the, so they went and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone with the guard, or by sealing it with the guard. Right, that makes sense.
3: And the only problem with that is using use of the term sealing, which is kind of an odd one. I mean, they may be well, secure with the guard. They don't need to seal it. Made, sealing it unless really it means something different. So well, so I would have to look at the back meaning
0: back. of that word, but it, it quite literally means to seal or to secure or to lock or to, to, lock mm-hmm. or to fix assuredly.
3: Yeah, those. So
2: what does it say about, what's the word in 65? Is it take a guard or share a guard or use your own guard or what?
0: What's the verb? Ekete, um, you have ekete. You have it's 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 one of the it's formed it's 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 formed out of ego. You have ekete. Uh, custodian. You have a, a guard or custodian. You have a guard. Go and make fast as you know how. And it's pretty clear yeah, not the word, that like the like guards are the there, or. too, because they yeah. fell asleep or were It's definitely uh, temple guard. Knocked yeah. Or knocked silly. And something. it's their guard in their there's their it doesn't say soldiers. It's it's literally guard. It's going to be temple guard. Yeah. And custodian is is a word it, it, we get the word custodian from it and it it is a word that is used of the temple police of the temple guard. So it's literally it has to be the temple guard. But if the
2: Sanhedrin were split. then one of those guards
0: could have been on um, Joseph's side. Hey, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, possibly possibly not. It it's, it's fascinating. When did this happen? In the evening after
2: the day of preparation. What?
0: In the evening the before some one down. We will to ask you that. Do you have any <laughs> time and on the, the mo- and on the morrow, which is after Uh-oh. the day of preparation. The preparation
1: it sounds like it's on, it's on that Sabbath day. Which is later.
0: Friday. Friday. The day of celebration. Uh, <laughs> Wouldn't this be work? To, well, go, to go and talk to Pilate <laughs> and ask for this and set a guard and do all of this stuff? in not this work?
1: Well, would the guards allowed to, to work?
0: Is it work, but work? Uh-huh. You, your, your staff and your animals aren't allowed to work, so of course the guard isn't allowed to work. What did you ask? What? Is it so much as work as it is speaking? Well, they they've traveled to intercede with Pilate to get the security guards, but then the security guards have to go do all this work to secure the tomb. They are definitely working. That's Jewish people well, working on the secure, Sabbath. They wouldn't do they, that just by going there. They would be making it secure. Jewish
3: people. Well, no, you've uh, got the, you've got the right. day of preparation. You've got the day of preparation. And then then, then, the then on the Sabbath, you've got till sundown, then don't you, to get it's your business done. I mean, I never heard of
0: the Day of Preparation, so I'm assuming it's Thursday. I guess. Keep in mind that the Day of Preparation is something other than the nominal Sabbath. The Day of Preparation is a specific thing. All right, let's move on. Let's let's do Luke, and then we'll then we'll we'll ta- we'll talk about it. So go to Luke.
2: Yeah.
0: Yes. Just
3: on
1: when this took place, though, this um, Revised Standard version, version just says when it was evening. It doesn't say anything anywhere about
2: the which RSV. Day.
0: The RSA, when it was evening, just like yeah, that?
2: That's it. When it was evening. They're when it was evening of what? I mean, it doesn't say. That I mean, evening,
0: they've already put him in the tomb. I mean, it's now, it's. Yeah. it's now, this is
2: before. Okay, wait a minute. Never mind.
0: Read so the wrong spot. Sabbath. Yeah,
1: next. Okay, got
0: and, it. In Matthew, it's evening okay. is on
3: the day of preparation. It's got to be, isn't it? Isn't that what he saying? Evening
1: comes on each of those days.
0: In Matthew, it says literally. Three. Yeah, it does. Verse six. On five. the morrow, yeah. that is, after the preparation.
1: What? So the day after.
0: It's the it's day right. after the preparation. Right. So that's the Sabbath. Which would
2: be.
1: It's a, it is but he it's hasn't said it's
2: a Sabbath it would be a hell of a lot easier. Did. Matthew talking to Jews would probably say it's a Sabbath, don't you think? Or Matthew Did talking Mark to say Jews Mark didn't say know that it's a Sabbath. Mark it doesn't know. Say. a Sabbath. Mark
0: doesn't know anything about the setting of the guard. This yeah, he yeah, sure awesome. doesn't.
1: <laughs> but Matthew's writing to Jews, right? So they would know.
0: The Jews know who the preparation is. They, they know, know what, what the preparation, preparation is. Matthew doesn't confuse preparation and Sabbath.
1: But Mark, writing to Gentiles, might have a problem with wouldn't know all the details. The Gentiles wouldn't know all Right, so things. he would be a little more specific. Possibly. And have
0: added that. We're not care. Maybe for How's clarification for that. Still in the rear. Let's read <laughs> Luke. Let's back read Luke. <laughs> Luke. Luke will straighten it out. No, Luke hasn't straightened
1: it out. <laughs> sorry to
0: slow I think Do- D- D- Dr. Dr. is gonna straighten it out. No. <laughs> now there was uh, Luke. Remember, again, we're in Luke 23. Luke is very different in many ways. And we've kind of got that here. Mm -hmm. Picking up in Luke 23, beginning at verse 48. And when all the crowds who had gathered there for this spectacle saw what had taken place, they returned home, beating their breasts. But all his acquaintances, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. So so Luke is far more general about the witnesses. He expands the grouping to include more people, but the women don't get named at all, unlike in Mark, unlike in Matthew. Luke drops that out altogether.
2: But at least he kept the centurion in there, right? uh-huh. so You're three for three uh-huh. on the centurion.
0: Uh-huh. Certainly this man was innocent.
2: Hmm. <sighs> to witness.
0: Verse 15. Now there was a good and righteous man named Joseph who, though a member of the council, had not agreed with their plan and action. I mean. he came from the Jewish town of Arimathea and he was waiting expectantly for the kingdom of God so Luke doesn't reference him as a disciple Luke references him as a good and righteous man, a member of the council who didn't agree with their plan in action, they didn't agree with what they did to Jesus, he, he, he opposed it and he was waiting expectantly for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Notice, there's no debate, there's no discussion, there's no calling into the centurion, there's no even any reference to and Pilate gives in the body. Then he took it down. <laughs> Boom. And remember, Luke had the best view of Pilate of all of them. And so, I mean, it must have been a foregone conclusion. I mean, he was going to get the body, no question. Pilate's such an accommodating man in Luke. Then he took it down and wrapped it in a linen cloth and laid it in a rock-hewn tomb where no one had ever been laid. Just like Matthew, Luke understands that the tomb is first used. This is not... (laughs) This is not a hand-me-down. This is a first-time-use tomb. It doesn't say it was his. Then he, but, of course, he had to have access to it in some way. He may have bought it. Uh, Matthew's interpretation is, is that he had it made himself, which would be the way in which he could have access to it. Mark doesn't even bother with the question. But both Matthew and Luke agree that it's a new one and that it is that it is a a tomb that has been cut out of the rock not a natural cave like some of them were but an artificial one it was the day of preparation now all right.
1: Is that all, you Seb?
0: <laughs> Just no, I got more to go. I'm 54. No, I've got more. I've got more to go. The white,
1: more.
0: I'm. I've got more to go. But I, I, before I go further in that verse, I want to see what the Greek says. 23, verse 54.
1: It's interesting when you read all the, way to the end of. And
0: day and and it was the day of preparation, and a Sabbath was coming on. Uh huh. It was getting dark. Yeah. Was dawning. Was coming to be. It's was consistent. beginning.
2: Not dawning,
0: right? The Sabbath beginning. begins at night, right? Well, it's a metaphorical dawning. Oh, never mind. If you think about it. Yeah, I got it. Uh, but in Matthew, they're different days. That's yeah. right. That's what you're gonna tell to us. About Not <laughs> quite. Not quite. Not quite. The next day after the day of preparation. Then, uh-huh. you know, Then he took it down, wrapped it in a, uh, yeah, wrapped it in a linen cloth, and laid it in a rock hewn tomb where no one had ever been laid. It was the day of preparation. And the Sabbath was beginning, is how the NRSV reads. Greek was dawning. Well, it's a metaphor, it, it's a euphemism for dawning. It's used of the morning as well. But it really means... Yeah. It was breaking. Coming, it's almost breaking midnight, baby. <laughs> no, it's the sun has just, it's just, just <coughs> set. You still have light, but the sun is on the horizon. The woman who had come with him from Galilee followed and they saw the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and ointments. I'm going to stop there because we got a new paragraph beginning. I'm going to stop there for just a second. Then they returned and prepared spices and ointments. And on the Sabbath, they rested according to the commandments. Which is how it ends, but it's the beginning of the next paragraph. Kai to men sabbaton. and on the indeed Sabbath, and on the the this specific Sabbath. Kai to men sabbaton literally means and on the Sabbath indeed, on this one specifically.
1: They rested, is that where you are
0: uh-huh. at the end of that? Uh-huh. They rested according to the commandment. When does the Jewish day begin? Sunday. Sundown. Sundown. So right now it is Friday on a Jewish way of looking at things. That sun outside is set, it is now Friday. A Jew would look at today and say, it's Friday. Even though it's our Thursday until midnight, it's Friday on the Jewish calendar. This is how Jesus was able to have the Passover meal with his disciples and die on the same day. They had the meal the night before, after sundown, at the beginning of the Passover, which begins the night, or the night before. Okay. So when the sun set on what we would call the day before Passover, they would have the meal. The Jewish way of thinking of time is always just as it is in Genesis chapter 1. There was evening, there was morning the first day. There was evening, there was morning the second day. They always counted days starting with evenings. So it is now Friday to the Jewish calendar. If you're going to have Friday dinner on a Jewish calendar, when are you going to have it? Thursday. Thursday, night. Thursday night, thank Thursday. you. Excellent. Thursday night, thank you. That is why the Sabbath begins Friday night on the Jewish calendar and runs through Saturday till sundown when the first day of the week begins. Once the sun has gone past the horizon, you then have the beginning of the first day of the week in the Jewish calendar. So that's how they tell time. Keeping that in mind, Jesus had the Passover on Passover Day and then died on Passover Day. All right.
3: Can I ask you a
1: question? Uh Uh-huh. When um when would they have normally killed the Passover lamb?
0: (laughs) You put your finger on it right there, Lisa. You put your finger on the problem. You see, the synoptic gospels have depicted and it's true for all three of the synoptics, for for Mark and then for Matthew and Luke who are following Mark, they are all consistent in depicting Jesus as eating this meal, this meal the night before he dies, eating this meal as if it's the Passover Seder itself. Indeed, you see that in the Gospels themselves. You can see it in the language that they use. In Luke, Jesus says... He has this interesting statement here. Let's see, in um, Luke chapter 23, when he's talking to them, he says, "I have in 23 verse 15, he says, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. I have eagerly desired to eat this Pascha, In Greek, actually, which is a direct transliteration of the Passover meal, the the Corban Passover meal. So, according to the synoptics, just a second, you see that also in Mark. Over in Mark, you see that. Where he says, it says, um, um, uh, Mark 14, verse 12. On the first day of unleavened bread, when the Passover lamb is sacrificed... His disciples said to him, Where do you want to go and make the preparation for you to eat the Pascha, the Passover? And then it depicts the meal. When it was evening, he came with the twelve. And when they had taken their places and were eating, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, One of you will betray me. And then he goes through the words of institution after having talked about who it was who would betray him. We see it also over in the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, Matthew 26, verse 17. On the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who do you want to make the preparation for you to eat the Pascha, the, the Passover meal? All three synoptic Gospels are clear that this is the Pascha, the Passover meal. And the Pascha is the Corban Passover. It, it is where you gather together, you take the lamb that was sacrificed at the temple, and you take the lamb, and, you, and you've roasted it, and now you eat it with the unleavened bread and the bitter herbs, and you eat it, in in you retell the story. Indeed, uh, one of the greatest uh, New Testament scholars of the Holy Eucharist, Joachim Jeremias identified 14 different points of connection in which the Last Supper of Jesus can be identified as having elements, 14 different elements, of the uh, Passover meal. It's very clearly a Passover Seder, or it seems to have close similarities to Passover Seders. But the other thing that has been noticed is that it has great similarities to other Meals, other Jewish meals, other ritual meals that, that Jesus had with his disciples and that other Jewish leaders would have with their disciples. So to say that it is a Passover meal is, is um, pushing it. Let's put it that way. Here's the problem, and you've put your finger on it. Over in John's Gospel, it becomes very clear that the Passover hasn't happened yet. It stated out but point blank and outright that the Passover hasn't happened yet. That Jesus is dying at the exact same time as the Passover lambs are being slaughtered. And that realization, that fact, actually has echoes that go back way before, way before the Synoptic Gospels, uh, 10 to 30 years earlier. In the, in the letter of, of, of Paul to the Corinthians, the first letter of Paul to the Corinthians, you have a fascinating statement where, where uh, Paul says that Jesus is our Passover. Therefore, let us keep the feast. Jesus is our Passover lamb. Jesus is our Passover sacrifice. Paul identifies Jesus as the Lamb, and it seems to echo this same understanding that we see from John's Gospel, which we haven't read in the course of the synoptics. We'll read it next time in the, when, we, when we get around to doing John's Gospel later in the year and in the next year. We'll read this event in John's Gospel, and we'll notice the difference, but the simple fact is John's Gospel, like Paul, seems to indicate that that Jesus was executed, was crucified, at about the same time that the Paschal lambs were being sacrificed in the temple. One of the inherent problems with the synoptic dating for the uh, uh, crucifixion of Jesus is that it has the high priests and other Jewish leaders doing things at a time when they wouldn't be doing them. They would not be active, uh, engaged in connections and and relations and conversations and debates before uh, Pontius Pilate, for example. The high priest certainly, he's going to be way too busy engaged in various different religious practices at that time. There's just no way he's going to be able to do that. John's very clear. Paul's very clear. Jesus was executed, was crucified, and died as our Paschal Lamb. So the synoptics, which is the the more, most scholars say the synoptics are the more historical of the Gospels, in point of fact, contain within them a problem. Either Jesus is the Paschal Lamb, and he was crucified on at the same time that the lambs were being slaughtered in the temple, and therefore Jesus is our Passover, either Jesus is the Paschal Lamb or not. Either Jesus is uh, our, our Passover or he's not. Paul was very clear in the 50s. Identifying Jesus with the Passover lamb. There has to be a reason why Paul identifies Jesus with the Passover lamb. And it's most likely because that's when Jesus was executed. Jesus was executed at about the same time on Nisan 14 as all of the lambs were being crucified, I mean, being sacrificed. On this in 14, at about the same time that all the lambs were being executed, were being killed, were being slaughtered in the temple for the use in the Corban Passover. So what do we have going on back earlier, back, back, for example, in in chapter 22 of Luke? What is it that we have going on in these Gospels? It it looks like a Passover Seder. Joachim Jeremias identified 14 points that identifies it as as a Passover Seder. So but but it's it's debatable as to whether or not it could ever actually be. Is it possible that Jesus had a Passover Seder with his disciples the night before you would have the Lamb available? Of course there is a theological statement they have the Lamb available and He is with them right then and there. Jesus the Passover Lamb is going to be slaughtered tomorrow he is with them that evening and leading them in the meal and in a sense eating of him this is my body this is my blood you see how that works out so it's it, it, you have to struggle with this idea it's not the passover meal that takes place after corban passover after the the lamb is slaughtered it's not the passover meal as we understand it that takes place on Nisan 15 just before the beginning of the of the feast of unleavened bread with the with the high sabbath day no 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 it's it's taking place the night before the night prior to the slaughtering of the lambs—it's taking place the night before, and therefore, it's not technically the Pascha meal that we think of as the Pascha meal. Indeed, studies have indicated that the Haggadah uh, that, that contains all of the information with regards to the earliest practices of the um, of the Passover—the the Haggadah uh, contains within it. Directions for how to do the Passover and what the Passover means, and, and and it gives the directions for a Passover Seder and the contents within the Haggadah has always been identified as going all the way back to Jesus's day but in point of fact many Jewish scholars these days are saying it doesn't go back that far it only goes back to the destruction of the second temple in 70 AD and in fact the Haggadah became necessary principally because the temple was destroyed and so all of the events that occurred at the temple and the Corban Passover itself could no longer take place therefore you had to have Passover's again in your own home and you had to take a lamb and 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 slaughter it in your own home again instead of going to the temple to get your lamb. And so that, uh, the Haggadah sets up and establishes the modern, quote unquote modern, for the last 2,000 years, practice of the Passover meal. Um, the Haggadah gives the outline for what happens. Interestingly enough, it's very similar to what is depicted as Jesus is having with his disciples. But the Haggadah is based upon some elements that obviously go back to Jesus' day, especially with regards to ritual meals that you would have with your family. So what Jesus is doing is not having the Corban Passover after slaughtering the lamb. He's having a Passover-type meal, a Pascha-type meal, with his disciples before his death, principally because he couldn't have it after his death or while he's dying and they have a Passover lamb with them. It's himself, it's he himself. He is the Passover lamb. And in a sense, this is my body, this is my blood. They are in fact eating that Passover lamb. They are consuming it as they eat of the Eucharist itself. So the the, the principal difficulty that has usually been identified is the identification of the meal as a Passover Seder. I have always called it a Passover Seder because essentially that is what it is. But in Jesus' case, it did not occur following the Corban Passover, following the the execution, the killing, the slaughtering of the lambs in the temple. It, It took place prior to that event. Why? Because Jesus himself was to be slaughtered at that event. So what we find in the Synoptic Gospels is that they misidentify the timing of Jesus' death. They make the claim that Jesus dies following the Corban Passover, and that does not seem to be in accordance with what we know from John, nor is it in accordance with what we know about Jewish practices, nor is it possible that it it could be in accordance with what we know from Paul about his identification of Jesus as being the Passover lamb. Now, interestingly enough, this extends even further into the practices of the church, both in the New Testament times and even up to today. If you think about the Passover meal as being a remembrance and a celebration of the Passover of the death angel and the eventual escape from captivity of the Israelites, you can look at the Eucharist in in much the same way. The Holy Eucharist that we celebrate uh, again and again and again points us back to that point of deliverance in which Jesus, as our Passover lamb, is crucified for us, is executed for us, is sacrificed for us. Therefore, we keep the feast, the, we keep the Passover feast, we, we keep it in the form of the Eucharist, we, we keep it in the form of eating the Passover sacrifice itself, the lamb, and then the death angel, the eternal death angel passes over us because when we eat and drink of the body and the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ as we learn in John chapter 6 as we will learn next year in John chapter 6 or whenever we get to John chapter 6 we'll discover that Jesus says eat me eat eat my flesh and drink my blood and when you do you have eternal life so also when we eat and drink of of the therefore when we eat and drink of the passover offering the the Passover lamb the true eternal Passover lamb we are receiving into ourselves that which brings eternal life we are acting in faith and receiving into ourselves Jesus and then this presence of Jesus this real presence of Jesus transforms us and makes us into the body of Christ for a broken and hurting world it's the essence of sacramental theology Uh, The the synoptics get the dating wrong is both a surprise and also a disappointment. They seem to want to say that it takes place the following day. But in fact, the early church tradition uh, of identifying Jesus as our Passover sacrifice, what we find in John, the, the, the complexity and difficulties and problems that exist with identifying the, the uh, Passover uh, that the, the Jesus is executed on the following day, on the high Sabbath day, by the way, that, that comes and follows every Passover, it becomes a serious problem. I think we ought to take a look at Leviticus and see what it says about how you, you chart out uh, the, the Feast of Unleavened Bread and Passover so that you can see what this high Sabbath that I've been referencing and talking about is. Leviticus chapter 23, verse 6 and 7. I'm going to pick it up in verse 4. These are the appointed festivals of the Lord, the holy convocations which you shall celebrate at the time appointed for them. In the first month, on the 14th day of the month, at twilight. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: The fourteenth day of the month begins at sundown. That's when we're talking about. The fourteenth day of the month begins what we would say this day before. That's the beginning of that day. There shall be a Passover offering to the Lord and on the fifteenth day of the same month the festival of unleavened bread to the Lord. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day You shall have a holy convocation, and you shall not work at your occupations. For seven days you shall present the Lord's offering by fire. On the seventh day there shall be a holy convocation. You shall not work at your occupations. So you have Passover, followed by the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which runs for one full week. The Feast of Unleavened Bread begins with the Day of Holy Convocation, also known as a High Sabbath. And you can't do work. It's not Saturday, but it's like Saturday. It's not the weekly Sabbath. It could be, but depending on when Passover falls, but it doesn't necessarily have to be it, but it is just like a Sabbath day in that you begin the Feast of unleavened bread with a day off
1: so the day of preparation is synonymous with Passover because that's the day that comes before that high holy day Sabbath which they can't do any work so they have to do all their preparing then you
0: have the feast of unleavened bread which runs for a week and you close it the last day with yet another high Sabbath or uh, what do they call it in here Convocation, holy convocation, which is a high Sabbath, an extra Sabbath. So you would have two Sabbath days in any given week. If if Passover falls on any day other than Friday, you would have two Passovers in. I mean, two Sabbaths in two consecutive weeks. So it doesn't matter what uh, fundamentally what day of the week Jesus died on. Because the following Passover is always, always, always a Sabbath day—a special Sabbath, you call
1: it. It not could call it—not a regular.
0: Jesus could, if Jesus had died on a Sunday, if Passover had fallen on a Sunday and he died on a Sunday, then Monday but would have been a Sabbath day.
3: But not do all the God, all the the three Synoptics today the, what we're about, that what we've reading about—that happens in a, within a twenty-four hour period mm-hmm. from
0: yeah. From the meal, there's, there's, there's no, the question, the that meal. There's no the question, question that, that, that it's, hours, a, it's, a, it's a very short, short period of time. Which 24 hours? From the meal hours. to the tomb.
3: been listening to a Bible study by Dr. Gregory Neal, senior pastor of St. Stephen United Methodist Church and rector of Grace Incarnate Ministries. Copyright 2010 by Dr. Gregory S. Neal. All rights reserved. For more information or to listen to other seminars, Bible studies, or sermons by Dr. Gregory Neal, visit us on the web at www.revneal.org. That's www.revneal.org. You are also invited to visit us in person at St. Stephen United Methodist Church, 2520 Oates Drive, Mesquite, Texas, 75150. This program was produced by Dr. Greg Neal.